Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Fadugba for hopefully another episode of uh, Trials and Tribulations. How are you doing, my friend? We'll beat you at home, we'll beat you away, stop crying, Frank Lampard. <clears throat> How does that make you feel, Steve? Angry. <laughs> Angry to be honest with you. I'm sorry, I couldn't. Not even, we're not even going down that route. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Hello to everyone, and hello to Steve. I'm I'm very sorry about your uh, result yesterday, but I had to mention it because it was such a great game. And obviously, Pontus Janssen is a, a Leeds player, and uh, I had to throw that win in there as a Swedish uh, player himself, although he didn't play, did he? But uh, yeah, how are you feeling? Have you recovered from the disappointment of um, that playoff defeat? No, not just, no. I'm not recovered really. It doesn't usually affect me as much as that. But um, it really, it really knocked you, didn't? Oh yeah, because I expected to win easily. Um, you know, you know, if we had lost, I, I wouldn't. I didn't think we were going to win the final. I really do rate Aston Villa at the moment quite highly, but um, I certainly did not see that coming at all. To be honest, I, I'd not rated Derby all year, so to to you know, for that to happen, very disappointing and. Uh, you know, I think quite a lot of people are sorry to see Leeds go, actually, for once. We seem to have gained more love than ever this year. I think um, Liverpool became the most hated team ahead of us. <laughs> so, it's uh, it's a shame, but you know, we've gone another day, don't we? We do indeed, and we've got plenty to talk about. We had two game weeks uh, in the last sort of period since our last podcast. So, strap yourselves in and I hope you're ready for some serious Swedish and Norwegian chatter. Um, Steve, I cheated on you this week, actually. I know, I heard about it. Well, <laughs> I, it was, um, we do have rather an open relationship, in fairness. Don't we? <laughs> free to uh, free to explore uh, temptations with other podcasts. And uh, I was on the Sound of Football podcast this week with uh, our good friend, Graham Sibley, who I've known for many years. And we did talk about Sweden and Norway um, just the summer. One of the themes of the podcast was what to watch over the summer. And obviously, our leagues are quite prominent in that discussion. So um, it was good to be on the show. If you haven't given them a follow yet or listen to the show at Sound of Football, um, Sound of Football podcast, um, give it a little listen if you want to hear more of my dulcet tones. But um, enough of that. And let's get into the Nordic Football podcast, which is why we're here. Steve, uh, what have we got to talk about this week? What are the, what are the big talking points? Where are we starting? There's loads, isn't there? How long have we got? You know, um, There's so much to discuss, isn't there, um, at the moment, because there's so many matches going on. Uh, just before we do start, Sweden, I do want to reiterate that point. Um, your appearance on the Sound of Football uh, podcast, very good, actually. Enjoyed your episode immensely. I think there was a particularly good discussion about the uh, the Nations League, which I very much enjoyed. But um, if you want to uh, listen to that, then, uh, as I say, Sound of Football podcast um, episode, I think we've got it retweeted and tweeted around, so search for that. But uh, on to um, Nordic matters, and well, we'll start in Sweden. And uh, things are getting really close in the Arsvenskan. There was uh, obviously a midweek round. The most recent of them was tonight on um, on Thursday night. And a top of the table clash between IFK and Malmö. It was a goalless draw. Uh, but you had your eye on this one. Was it as bad as the scoreline suggested? Well, quite presumptuous of you there to say IFK, Steve. Isn't there? There's two IFKs in the league. But uh, we all know who they're talking about deep down. Uh, EFK Jotterborg, uh, who the, the surprise um, title challenger as, as at the moment, um, although 
calling them title challenges might be a bit premature, but they're second in the table after after a fiery start, um, in which I have to say, for me, they've probably been the most exciting team in the league this season so far to watch. Uh, really flown into the flown out of the traps this season with a really exciting young team. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a decent game. Uh, we've we've talked about some of their players. Uh, obviously, we have a partnership with Y Scout, um, and I recently wrote a blog on Benjamin Negren, which you can check out on Y Scout at Y Scout's uh, page. There, they've got the the blog postings. We with our partnership there, we write um, regular articles for them on Scandinavian football. So I wrote about Negren, um, but he's not the only good player in that team. Um, there's many that we're going to talk about in this episode, actually, isn't there, Steve? And yeah, the game was nil-nil. It wasn't the most uh, great spectacle from a goals point of view, of course, with zero. But I found it an entertaining game, to be honest. I thought it was um, a good uh, demonstration of the quality in Osvenskan in terms of the top two teams. It had its peaks and troughs. It wasn't always that exciting. But I think the overall standard was quite good. I thought it was quite an interesting tactical battle, which we'll talk about between the two managers. And all in all, it was um, had enough tension about it. You know, 17,000 fans in the, in the crowd. Uh, it was a good game, I thought. I have to say, just looking at this table now, they're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the team that I am surprised are as high as they are, considering you know the season preview we did, a lot of the media talk pre-season as well. You're a man who has strong connections with the city of Gothenburg, John. Um, do you think the fans can quite believe what's going on? Are they starting to believe something special could happen this year, or is this just one of those great starts that may well fizzle out? Well, to answer the first question, no, I don't think the fans can really um, believe what's going on. To be honest, I think there is a, a good degree of shock about it all. That, um, it's, a, you know, I'm, I'm shocked, to be honest, uh, how well they've started. 18 goals, they've scored the most, joined most goals uh, in, in nine games, obviously. So they're averaging, you know, two goals per game, which is really, really impressive. When you consider last season, they were quite drab. Uh, you know, they weren't the most exciting team in the league to watch by any stretch of the imagination. With 38 goals in the in the league, you know, just roughly over 1.1 goals per game. So they've upped that massively, um, and they've started very well. Uh, obviously, there's lost two games, and you know, the thing about EF Core, Steve, is they they're a good counter-attacking side. You know, and I, I'm a big fan of counter-attacking football, and I always have been. Um, it's part of the reason I love the Manchester United team of the 90s. So good on a break. Um, you know, you can have a corner and go 15 seconds later, it's a goal at the other end. And I love that kind of football. And EF Core are bringing that kind of football. They, they press well, um, they're aggressive, you know, they, they counter press. Um, they've got a young team with a lot of energy, they're hungry. And yeah, they're good at dispossessing you know, the opposition and then going on the counter attack. And Uwe Rosler mentioned it today in his. Um, post-match interview he said that uh, because he gave Bonky Innocent a, a rare start uh, and his reasoning behind that was that he wanted two defensive uh, central midfielders in Oscar Davitsky as well and Innocent um, to kind of block of course counter-attacking potential and I think it was a really interesting point he made and I, I really agree with it um, because EFCOR have got so many exciting players on the break they've got a lot of speed a lot of youth one of the youngest teams in the league and they used um, the likes of Benjamin Negren, um, Patrick Carlson Lagomir, who we'll talk about, Yusuf, uh, Kiri Ishvili as well, Robin Soda, who's a fast player, Lassa V, but they've got a lot of good players on the break. So um, Rosler had to deal with that, and he did to, to a certain extent. Uh, with, it was quite cautious. Um, 
but yeah, they, 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 I think they surprised everyone really, Steve, to be honest. And the way they're playing at the moment, long may it continue. Do you know what? The sheer mention of Bonky Innocent always brings a smile to my face. Just the, the name, it's just one of the best names in football, isn't it? I have to yeah, say. He straddled, he straddled, um, he straddled both leagues, doesn't he? Because he was in Norway. But uh, yeah. funnily enough, I know you've, you've had a few comments about him in previous podcasts, but he received a lot of praise for his performance today. He was voted the man of the match from the uh, Malmo, uh, I think, official website. And, you know, it was a rare appearance for him, but he, he, he certainly held his own and Rivera also praised him after the game. I, I rate him, I rate him. Um, in terms of, we've talked about Negrin quite a lot already on this podcast, so I think maybe it's about time some of the other guys at Jotterborg uh, were mentioned. And I'm going to, I wanted to talk about Kerias Vili. Because this was a guy who, ever since I dumped him from my fantasy team, seems to have um, gone from strength to strength, um, chipping in with all sorts of goals and assists. And uh, he's quite a key part of the team, isn't he? He's a good player. Yeah, he was um, spotted by, of course, scouts at, I think, a, a youth tournament in which Georgia played. And obviously they, they monitored him, him for quite some time before before signing him. Um, he had a betting in period last year, but but... By the end of the season, he was doing very well, and I, I had him in my fantasy team from from day one actually. But uh, he didn't quite perform in the opening rounds, but he's starting to come into it now. And um, you know, he's he's slightly older than because the thing is, obviously, Eifkor have played a lot of kind of even teenagers, you know, young academy players. And Kimishvili is not an academy player. Obviously, they signed him, paid money, but um, he's still a young player and he's still developing. So um, yeah, I think he. he He's got talent, and he's a little bit different. You know, he's 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 a good ball player. He's creative. He's got a good eye for a pass. Um, threads the ball well, and he's he's been a solid addition to the team. I think he'll only get better. I think he's got good potential. In terms of this uh, match uh, tonight against uh, Malmo, a nil-nil draw. I think it's the first time that uh, Malmo have failed to score in a match this year. I mean, that's got to be encouraging for IF, IFK, hasn't it? That they can hold them to a clean sheet. Do you think this was a sort of fixture which a lot of people would have expected them to lose and they've done kind of, you know, a very positive thing that they've avoided defeat against the favourites for the title? Yes, very much so. And one, one of the things that uh, yeah, of course, manager Poyas Bargi commented on uh, after the match was he, he described it as they shut down Malmo. He said they, you know, they, they completely shut down their offensive capabilities and I think he was right to a certain extent they played a very compact shape um, I was actually really impressed with EF Core in the sense of their defensive discipline you know that we've all talked about their attacking ability going forward how, how, how exciting they are but here they showed a different side to their game which which bodes well for their potential season uh, you know as a whole and they showed the ability to sort of sit down sit deep play a compact game they had four you know two banks of four kind of thing um, very low block and just look to kind of contain Malmo, which which worked, you know, obviously the likes of Marcus Rosenborger, you know, in their 30s and they're not going to be, um, you know, you know they, they're not going to be kind of breaking in behind, are they? But they're going to, you know, they, they're still a threat in the box and that kind of thing and you have to be careful. Um, but EFK were, were quite careful and I think Sebastian Olsen, the right back, had a great game. Um, and overall, yeah, they, they, they shut them down. I think it was a real, really. I think it was a really interesting tactical battle. There's, there's been comments that Fouad Bachiru was missed in, in central midfield because Malmo didn't really create a huge amount. 
Um, but I think as I agree with Poya Espargi, who said that you know the um, the fact that where Rosler played two defensive central midfielders kind of is is, is testament to how well EFQ have done this season. Uh, and I think you know all in all it, it was a it was a, almost a tribute to them. Malmo are doing very well. They've had um, they've got the best expected goals against record in the league with only six expected goals against them. So I think you know they are impressing me. But uh, all in all, both teams, I think, have got a lot to be positive about at the moment. What would you say um, IFK have got to do in order to maintain their level um, at the moment? Have they? Is it a question of everything's just going right for them? Players are in form. You know, when they hit that sort of bad patch, do you think, do you think they've got the right sort of mentality? Can they grind out an ugly sort of one-nil win? I think from EFCOR's point of view, I'm not sure they're going to be the team that will grind things out. I think they, as I've said before, they've um, they've taken members of Gif Sunsvall's famous attacking side last season, um, the coaching staff, some of their coaching staff, and they've, they're they trying to implement this new style of football. And um, it doesn't really rely on kind of being a, a defensive unit or grinding games out. But, you know, their next two games are Hammerby at home and Hacken away, which is the derby. I'm going to have a real close eye on those two games because we'll learn a lot about uh, EFQ in those two matches, in my, in my opinion. And if they come out of those two with six points or anything close to six points, then I think we really can take them seriously. Uh, they owe Hacken in a sense because Hacken have smashed them in the last two seasons' derbies um, away from home, scoring four goals in each each, each derby. So uh, there's a little bit of revenge there on the cards potentially, and Hammerby are doing very well. We'll talk about them later. but. Um, I think the next two games are a big test. If they get to 10, 11 games played and are still up there, we can reassess it. At this stage of the season, which team from uh, Gothenburg do you think will finish highest? Hacken or, or IFK? Oh, you're putting me on the spot there. Um, I'm going to... Oh, they're joint on points. They've, got, one has, they've both got 17 points. Exact identical record. EFC have scored 18. Hacken have scored 12, EFC have conceded 10, Hacken have conceded 5, there's plus one goal difference in it. Impossible to call right now, but maybe just because of the defensive side of things, Hacken, but um, EFC are going well. Interesting one. So, I mean, it's really close at the top of the table for those who don't know. Malmo on 18 points, and then there's four teams on 17, and then a couple of teams on 15. So it's, it's bloody tight up there. Uh, Ramo are the lead, league leaders, and um, it seems they have kicked on from from that last season, at the end of last season. Um, and you would expect them to be to be right up there throughout the whole campaign, wouldn't you? Yep, definitely. My preseason podcast prediction was um, no shopping, and I'm not ready to ditch that yet. But I'm very, very close to ditching that because Malmo are looking slightly ominous. You know, they've got the good balance: 16 goals scored, eight conceded. The best. Uh, XG against, as I mentioned, um, they look very solid. They look hard to break down. Um, my one worry about them in preseason was their creativity. You know, can they can they break teams down? Can they get the job done consistently? Because I, I feel they lack a little bit of pace and spark. But um, the likes of Trousterson, Soren Reeks, they're, they're they're producing at the moment. Trousterson has three assists, and uh, Marcus Rosenborg, the old veteran, is the, the top scorer in the league with six goals, um, joint with the Linus Hellenius. Uh, and Elginusi. So, 
yeah, they, they, they're getting goals and they look very solid. I think they're going to be a, a hard team to break down. EF Core struggled today to really break them down. And I think that will be a theme for teams that come up against them. So, yeah, I'm leaning now further and further towards Malmo as a real, real challenge of the season. I mean, your pre-season title prediction was uh, Norshipping, and you say you're close to giving up on them. They're, they are on 11 points. It's not like they're a million miles adrift, but you know they are a bit adrift. What's gone wrong there at the start of this year for, for Norshipping? It just seems, I mean, just looking on the basic raw stats, that they just seem to be bang average in every department, really. Is, is it a simple case of that? Yeah, I'm not happy with them, Steve. I'm not happy with them at all. They they are they're making me look like a bit of a mug, to be honest, with my prediction. Um, it was good to hear a fellow listener of the pod um, mention on our Twitter account the other day that he also thought they would do well, um, but they're just not doing it at the moment. And I'm going to give you a statistic here, Steve. They've got the second lowest expected goals in the league according to Y Scout data: seven point five nine goals expected. Um, that's pathetic to be honest that's not, not only that I mean for a team that's supposedly you know title challenges but not only that Steve Isaac Pettersson the North Shopping goalkeeper who is highly rated he has made the second most number of saves in the league this season with 30 saves made already um, they're leaking goals they've conceded 13 goals which is more than the likes of say Kalmar um, and I just don't think they're really they're not really, they don't, they, they look out of ideas. I mean, they lost to, um, uh, they lost to EF Core uh, in, in a recent game at home, 2-1. And in that game in particular, you know, I just thought, I felt they looked out of ideas. They didn't look like a great team to me. And I'm a bit worried about them. I think they've got a lot to do. They, they look a bit turgid. It's quite slow. Jordan Larson is very hot and cold. Um, there's been some, you know, comments that maybe their manager, some, some discontent from the manager, <clears throat> sorry, from fans towards the manager. Peking are just not looking too too tasty right now. Yeah, Jordan Larson, um, didn't you tweet something about him from the Nordic Football Pod account um, this week? I can't remember exactly what you said about him, but uh, it was something interesting um, along those lines. But, uh, I mean, last year they scored so many goals, didn't they? Was it they netted in every single away game? Um, so... Is that a simple case of the players they lost and they haven't been able to replace them? Or maybe a bit of a hangover from... I mean, they were involved in that title battle. They never really looked like properly winning it, but maybe it took it a lot out of their system, John, perhaps. And this is the, the syndrome of the season after. Possibly, because they had such an amazing run. But I don't think it's that. I think they just, they've just been a very, very average, you know. Um and they need to do more. The games I see them play, they don't look, they just don't look very, they haven't really gelled. You know, maybe they, they sort of miss some players who have departed over the, over, the, over the winter period, but they just haven't, you know, every game I see them play, they don't look like really stamping their authority. Even in games like Kalmar, where they drew 2-2 two, two, two away, um, Helsingborg, obviously they lost that game 3-1. You know, they've drawn with Malmo at home. They've played some tough games, to be fair to them. They've played AAK, they've played uh, Malmo, they've played Your Garden away, you know, they've played EF Core, so they've got a lot of tough games out of the way, you could argue. Um, and that Uribro win tonight was very, very big, because if they hadn't have won that, I would have been really worried for them um, in terms of the title race. But, you know, they're, they're seven points off it. It's not over for them. 
but they do need to improve in my opinion and uh, i just think that they're, they're, you know with the, that low xg is really worrying and then the fact that they're conceding so many shots as well they're lucky they have a, a very very good goalkeeper to, to keep them out uh, keep the goals out at the moment it's almost a bit like sort of um, a david de gea situation where you've got one keeper keeping them afloat really a good goalkeeper a really top class keeper can mask over a lot of cracks and I, I think I saw him in a couple of games this year. I think one was against Jorgarten, maybe. And he looked, uh, his reflexes looked superb, I must say. Um, but is there a player that North Shipping could perhaps turn to to uh, to improve their goal scoring? Or are they going to have to look to the summer window to, to improve that tally? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think um, Neeman. Uh, has not really done as well as maybe expected. I thought in the <clears throat> in the uh, EF core game he was a little bit disappointing. So that's something to think about. You know, they, I mean, he has scored. He did score against uh, Malmo, but yeah, you know, they've got Callahan. But I mean, the reason I went for them in, in the beginning of the season was because I felt they had so many different options. You know, the likes of Callahan, the likes of Neiman, the likes of Larson, Haksabanovic. But they've not really. You know, Haksabanovic has been a real disappointment. I mentioned there was concerns about him at West Ham in the preseason show, and you know some some question marks about his overall commitment. Um, he's been relegated to the bench already now, and when you consider he was meant to be a big star um, for Norshaming this season, that's the worrying sign. Um, Simon Tan's been okay, but not exceptional. Franson's been okay, but not exceptional. The defense has not been great, you know. Yeah, they're just. I'm a bit worried about them, really. I don't think they're they're looking good at the moment, and they need to up their game. They've got Gibsonsville next, then Hammerby away, and um, I need them to up their game, really, if they're going to be in this title race. To be honest, otherwise, I'm going to have to ditch them. Well, it happens to the best of us. I mean, do you remember me last year with Strums Goodser predicting them to challenge for the title, and they nearly got relegated. So uh, these things can happen. But uh... well, one thing is, yeah, you know, just on that note, before we move on, <clears throat> um, they were like this last season, not sure. They didn't start well. They lost two games in the first six. So, and one of them was against Trelleborg, the worst team in the league by a distance at home. So, um, it was in the second half of the season where they really, really picked up in the summer uh, and went on that incredible run. So, it's not all over for them. And I think, you know, if they, if they, like I said, if they can stay in that six to sort of seven point bracket um, from the top of the table, then maybe they can accelerate. But you know, if they hadn't have beaten Oribor tonight, for example, and you're getting to eight, nine points, then I would really think that it's going to be hard for them to sort of go on such a run to catch Malmo. But, um, yeah, they just, just need to up the ante a bit now. Yeah, at the moment, they, they're not in this title race at all. But um, as I said, there are quite a few teams that are. And uh, it seems Stockholm is... Jurgarten led the way early doors, but the other two teams from Stockholm are starting to get properly firing now AIK and Hammerby have both won four of their last five games and we're going to talk in in detail a bit about one of those teams Hammerby they've won the last four in a row I know fans are starting to get quite excited about this side uh Hammerby it was kind of the same last year when they were up there but uh do you see their prospects for 2019 can they actually last the pace this year well, um, you know, it's a bit like that song, isn't it? When I was 17, it was a very good year. It was a very good year. Um, we've got so many teams on 17 points at the moment. Um, EF Core, Hacken, Hammerby and 
Oiko uh, all behind the Mamo hit the 18-point barrier. And they're of the legal age now. Um, but yeah, Hammerby are looking good. Like I say, they've scored the joint most goals in the league with, with EF Core. Uh, they've got an enterprising style about them. Uh, a couple of stats for you here, Steve, on them. Just quickly, they've got the... Uh, uh, where am I? They've got the best possession statistics in the league, 55% possession. And also, not just that, they have, like I said, scored the joint most goals. And they've also had the most touches in the, in the opponent's box of any team in the league. 193 touches in the opponent's box. So they are getting into good areas in the, of the pitch in general. It's not just a fluke that they, they've scored those goals. Um, obviously, this is helped by the fact that they battered Ossesson's 4-0 in their most recent game, which pushed them up the table. Uh, and, you know, Ossesson's I'm a little bit worried about, uh, as I mentioned before. But, yeah, four straight wins now for Hammerby. Uh, and really the man behind that is uh, Mua Matankovic, who's been absolutely fantastic in recent weeks yeah i've noticed this guy racking up a lot of points in the asvenskan fantasy i'm debating about whether i'm going to have to bring him into my team to be honest john um he's been absolutely crucial of late what what are his star qualities that, that he brings to the field well tankovic was previously at fulham uh, as a youngster so he's you know he's been around the block a little bit uh he is an exciting player and his goal contributions have been been really really good lately he's, he's racking up goals and assists he's a creative player um you know as i mentioned in the last game he scored a, he scored a penalty against ostersons and he got an assist uh he scored two goals in the win against sirius in the previous match um so that's three and two games for him you know he's like i say he's a creative player. he's uh, exciting he's been in holland as well he's just a, a lively player i think he's People are looking at him now and saying, maybe is he worth a move in the summer? You know, seems to be, as I mentioned in, in the pre-season show about Hamby, their players stick around for so such a short period of time. It's hard to ever really have faith in them. Um, seems like they're off in a flash. And we're going to talk about one of them who's off in a flash, literally, uh, you know, in that sense. But yeah, there's been rumours about Tankovic maybe moving on. Uh, if he continues this form, you know, he is 24 now, um, but, but he's been around for so long. Um, moving to different countries. As I mentioned, he played at AZ Alkmaar. So you'd like to see him sort of settle somewhere, to be honest. I don't really think he should be moving right now, to, to be, in, in my personal opinion. But, um, you know, his stats are so good right now. Four goals, two assists in eight games that maybe maybe people will be thinking that he might move. But it's like you say, Hammerby, nobody ever seems to really settle at Hammerby, do they? I mean, what can the club do to, to change this... Um, conveyor belt system where it seems there's so many goes out and so many go in every year i know it's a swedish problem perhaps a, a nordic problem full stop but as a club it's just um, it seems a bit extreme and the only way they're going to develop long term is surely if they keep a bit more of a core nu nucleus well I, I mean like i say i called it in the pre-season pod it's so hard to get any consistency with them in terms of um personnel you know they have a they have a sporting a scouting and sporting director who seems to be quite active. You know they seem to be very clever in their business. Um, an example last season was obviously Neto Borgs, who who they signed from a random team in Brazil. I remember this time last year in the preseason show of 2018, just like questioning who the hell this guy was. I think he was from the Brazilian second division. I'd never heard of him. <clears throat> Comes along, even people in Brazil I spoke to had not really heard of him. 
comes along, has an outstanding season at left back, and you know is sold within a season to um, to Belgium. And um, we've had a similar case, haven't we? Mm. This uh, past week or so with uh, Kosanu, who uh, was one of my ten to watch for the season, and he, he's he's been so good to watch. He's off. Well, yeah, I mean this this has happened before with um, the the players to watch that we've uh, both. Uh, come out with uh, but I didn't expect this to happen so soon and in quite such a um, well it's a, quite a, an amazing transfer uh, having a look at it I mean tell us a bit more about the deal here John because it's uh, it's remarkable well it's not just remarkable it's it's kind of a bit really, almost ridiculous to be honest I mean um, talk about going in 60 seconds um, so yeah Odilon Kossin is an 18 year old centre-back from the Ivory Coast and I did mention to you in the preseason show and, you know, in, the, in our tend to watch that he's, he's very highly rated in terms of within Hammerby's in the, in the doors, the corridors of Hammerby. Um, a big lad, really tall, sort of imposing physical player at the back, a bit maybe like Eric Bailly, if you wanted to have an example. But, but, but um, well, actually, I was going to say slightly different, but no, he's, I think he's similar because the games I've seen him play, he's been quite, I actually think he's been quite clumsy and, you know, Although you can see the raw attributes, he's not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. But obviously, people disagree with me in that sense because after six games played and 266 minutes of football, he has become the most expensive defender in Swedish football history with a 30 million SEK Swedish corner move to Club Rouge, uh, which is, yeah, as I mentioned, the biggest deal for a defender in Osvetskan history. It could move up to 40 million uh, depending on appearances. And so, as I say, gone in 266 minutes in this case, and he's out of the league, and he will be transferred at the uh, at the next opportunity. Tell you what, he'd better be bloody good. I mean, two and a half million pound, a club like Club uh, Bruges. I mean, I don't know what their financial situation is. I must admit, maybe they've got a rich uh, sugar daddy or something there. But that just seems like quite a lot of money for. Uh, team from Belgium to be splashing out on a kind of a uh, an unknown well ish sort of player I mean I'm sure they've done their research and scouting and everything but how do you think he's going to fare in that league from what you know of the league John well I read some comments from his um, his agent um, recently on a, on a blog and they mentioned he mentioned that um, the opportunity was just too good to turn down for him he said that you know the player was very very focused and wants to move on um, in his career, he said that the player is very hard-headed and just sort of decided that he it was something he wanted to do. Uh, he mentioned the fact that obviously, as an Ivorian, he speaks French and he wanted to be in, a, in a, an environment in Bruges where you know there's more French players, more African players, and you know he can the language is already something that he's familiar with, uh, rather than maybe learning Swedish. I guess from his point of view, when if the opportunity comes, then then you take it, but. From Bruges' point of view, either they've seen something that they just decided, you know what, let's just splurge that cash straight away, spunk it up the drain pipe and, and get get it get out of here, or you know, or they really, really um, have just got money to burn and just don't care, because you know, 266 minutes, Steve. I mean, I could look at 266 minutes of football. You know, you need, you need to have a bit of due diligence. But um, to be fair to Costa, I think there is a reason I put him in my team. You know, tend to watch. You know, he, he does have the profile to go very, very far. Um, you can see the raw attributes there. If if he can sort of improve slightly technically and in terms of his overall knowledge of the game, 
like I say, he's got the potential to be sort of a Kola Toure, you know, or a, or a Bailly, and, and following that line of Ivorian centre-backs, to be honest. Well, I know we have a decent listener base in Belgium, so um, I would imagine some uh, people from Club Bruges even listened uh, to your pre-season uh, podcast uh, talk about him, uh, John. Maybe it was a factor. Maybe that was it. I mean, maybe they just listened to the pod and thought, right, let's just buy the ten because last season we were pretty spot on with our, our, our recommendations. Mm. Who knows? It's um, it, just one more thing before we move on about the the money aspect for for, for Club Bruges. I mean, two and a half million pound. If say a Premier League club or even a Championship club splashed that out, that's the sort of thing they can almost afford to do. And if it's a bus signing, it doesn't matter. But for Club Bruges, they must be pretty bloody seriously hot about him. That's all I can say. And uh, you know, it's the sort of guy I'm sure you'll be following his progress, won't you? Yeah, I mean, just on that interview that I read, and it was a website called Football Stockholm. Um, his agent said there was interest from in the top three clubs in the world, and he commented that basically, I think it was there's rumours it was Arsenal, but anyway, I don't know who. Uh, Manchester United apparently may be one of them. Um, the claim is that they went to watch him in a game, and he didn't play well. And then essentially, his agents called up Club Bruges and said, "Listen, United are watching him, Arsenal are watching him. If you don't take him now, you'll never get him." And you know, maybe this guy's played a blinder and just sort of you know done the deal of the century here, or or maybe Bruges have really seen something and just thought, you know, forget it, we're not waiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've you know, Bel Sweden to Belgium is quite a, a well-trodden path at the moment. Torre is one who came back and he, he ridiculed the Belgian league. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an, it's an interesting transfer, and you know, Hammerby, funnily enough, have already brought in another Ivorian on on trial, a youngster. So. You know the talent. The talent um, factory continues, and uh, as I said to you, Steve, essentially, you never know what you're going to get with uh, with with Bajin in terms of their players, and that's what makes it hard to really forecast their season. To be honest. Yeah, well, let's stay in Stockholm, and uh, as I mentioned, AIK, uh, their form has started to pick up again, and they're right back up there uh, into fifth place uh, in the league now. Seventeen points for them, and one man has. Well, been a big spearhead in their recent upturning form, hasn't he? Yes. Tarek El Yunusi has finally hit some form. And funnily enough, Steve, uh, on our Nordic Football Podcast Twitter, at Nordic Footpod, by the way, hint, hint, if you're not following us already, um, I was about to tweet about two weeks ago. I remember watching an AOK game and I was about to tweet. You know, when you're about to sort of pre you type something and you're about to press send and you think to yourself, shall I? And yeah. I was about to slam El Yanusi. I was about to say, this guy has done nothing all season. Um, I'm glad I kind of didn't because he would have come back to bite me in the, in the backside quite quickly. Um, because, yes, in the last sort of few games, he's really hit form now. Two goals, four goals in two games um, or five goals in three games, depending on how you want to look at it. But the key goals really were the two winners, uh, two goals in the derby against the Garden to win that game. Um, that's what's really hit his form there. And I have to say, Steve, the defending for the second goal in that match was just an absolute disgrace. I mean, there's a really good camera angle. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube or somewhere, but there's a camera angle of that goal. It's literally one punt. It's like non-league football. It's one punt from um, Sebastian Larsen into the box. El Yanusi starts his position as a sort of left midfielder, and it, all he does is literally run, a diagonal run into the box from midfield. 
he literally runs past three players. They all look at him. They just look at him. And he runs into the middle of the penalty area and just just, just fires the ball home first time. It's, he just lets the ball land and hits it into the net. It's, it's bizarre defending. You know, you got the, I think it's the right back, the centre back, and then the another centre back. They all just watch him run past him. Um, I have to say that the the camera angle really captures the just you know the the, the terrible defending from Jurgen's point of view. Um, but yeah, in general, you know, like I say, five goals in his recent, you know, he, so basically he had one goal in, in what is it, six games, and um, he's now gone on a run and and scored five and three to make himself the joint top scorer in the league. Oye Core, I'm going to be honest and sorry to some of their fans to disappoint you when I say this, but I found them a bit boring to watch this season. I'm not massively enjoying them. Um, in the early part of the season. One other thing to point out is they've kind of lost a little bit in terms of their propensity for clean sheets. Uh, any of you fantasy players, I'm sure you've got a lot of um, their defenders in your team, like me, <laughs> for example. Um, yeah, they're not quite keeping the same rate of clean sheets and you know, low goal-scoring ratios as they did last season. Um, they've already conceded half the number of goals that they conceded in the entirety of last season. So that tells you a little bit about them at the moment. But uh, El Yunusi is doing very well. And yeah, things are looking okay for yeah, Oye Core. Considering their start to the season, I think the fans will be very, very happy with 17 points, one point off the top. You mentioned that goal against uh, Jorgan. And uh, you just wonder whether some supernatural forces are at work again with the ghost of uh, the Stockholm derbies for, for Jorgan. <laughs> it's not... Well... It was interesting because before they lost to Hammerby, I was reading Biotore, he was bigging it up, wasn't he? Oh, we're the best side in uh, in Stockholm, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that doesn't look particularly good now, does it? Because they've gone and lost back-to-back uh, -back against their biggest rivals. What? Well, yeah, I mean, he does talk a lot at times, Biotore. I do love him, but he does. He, does, he has got a bit of a... He's got a quote in him, let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, I think the, the thing with the way you call it is they just, they, you know, they always seem to find a way, whether it's through recruitment or just players hitting form. And, you know, you'd be foolish to write them off, really. Um, but, yeah, like you say, it was... It, you mentioned the ghosts, Steve. The, the three defenders there were like Pac-Man, you know. It was like watching... It was like watching... It's like El Unity was Pac-Man and they were running away because... Maybe it was just the camera angle, but I've not seen defending like that. It was shambolic. OK, well, that's uh, pretty much wraps up uh, Sweden for now. Uh not really uh, gone into detail about the bottom of the table, but that can wait for another day um, or of the uh, the crunch stuff talked about, John. And uh, thanks very much for your input as usual. No problem at all. Okay, we'll have a little bit of a break and then uh, move on to talk about uh, Norwegian uh, elite Assyrian stuff. So catch you in a minute. Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast. We are going to be joining uh, the goings-on in Norway now with a look at the Elite Serien, which is grinding itself into gear. There's been a, a break every now and then, and then a midweek round here and there. You know, a mixed mishmash of games. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the scheduling, isn't it? Some teams have played eight, some teams have played nine. Steve, the one thing I've noticed about this league is the league table seems to be practically upside down 
you've got Rosenberger, Strums, Godset, second and third bottom of the table. Mm. And then you've got Odd BK and Buddha Glimt, second and third in the table. It's a bit of a strange league at the moment, isn't it, Steve? What are your overview? What's your general overview of the season so far? The general overview is there's a lot of wackiness going on, isn't there? There's a lot of crazy things going going on. You're right. There's uh, and we've got promoted teams, Myundal and Viking, uh, are as high as ninth and sixth uh, in the table. So you know that that's astonishing in itself. The Rosenborg situation. We're going to talk about that in detail. And, you know, there's a few surprises up and down there. I've just got the feeling this could be a really daft year where I'm, I'm not going to say that we could have a completely unusual, unexpected champion yet because Mulder are going so well. But if this turned into a bit of a sort of Leicester City sort of year, it wouldn't completely shock me. Yeah, I mean, on that subject, I, I mean, I always look at the Norwegian League, I'll be honest, and I, I look at it and I look to see how far Rosenberg are off the top, because I always think that no matter how badly they start, and uh, we're 28% of the season in now, you know, we, we're quite, we're getting to the sort of, the, you know, we're over a quarter of the season done. They're 13 points off the top now with the game in hand. You know, you look, I look at it always as at what point are they out of the picture? Um, do you, before we move on to sort of the general talk about them, do you think they're out of the picture? Just like yes or no? No, very briefly. Funny enough, yes, uh, I do think they're out of the picture. I was thinking this to myself earlier. Even if they won every single remaining game now, 22 games, that would get them to 72 points. Now, there's no guarantee that would even win the league. So if they're gonna if they're gonna challenge, they're probably gonna have to win at least 20 of their last 22 games, which is a massive ask. Too much of a big ask. Okay. And yeah, I think, you know, on that note, let's continue with it because um, this is the biggest talking point in the season, really. This is the equivalent of sort of um, Barcelona in the relegation zone, really, isn't it? So I, I don't think there's anywhere else we can, you know, start this section with. I'm going to read you um, a tweet here, okay? And I want your comments on this tweet. Mm -hmm. You might even recognise it. There is, there is surely no way Eric Hornedan can survive this loss today. Once again, another miserable display by RBK. They offered Soddle. He's had long enough now, and they absolutely need to sack him. Does that ring a bell to you, Steve? And uh, what's your thoughts? Well, that tweet came from the Nordic Football Pod uh, Twitter account, didn't it? Um, your word, my friend. I presume you wrote that, but... Um, no, 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 no. It was me, actually. It was me. Um, yeah, I did write that, and... and uh, Look, by the time this pod goes live, he may may already already be sacked. To be honest, if I was in charge at Rosenborg right now, he'd be out the door. Um, simple as that. It's just not good enough. Um, I'm all for giving managers time, but an eight games is not a lot. But if you combine that with the pre-season issues, the rumours are falling out with players behind the scenes. It's just it's just obvious under his management. And the final nail in the coffin is he's, he's lost at home to the team he moved from, Augustund. I mean, he was in charge of them last year. He should know them very, very well. And I was thinking before this match that he may, may well get the win because he knows how all their players operate, etc., etc. But Augustund deserved the win, and it was typical flat performance. You would think it looks to me like he's probably lost the dressing room. You, you don't know unless you're within the club, but. 
I don't think he's a bad manager necessarily. It's just not working at, at Rosenborg. It's just not the right fit. And I'll be very surprised if he's in charge um, before the next game. I mean, the only thing is that the next game is in just three days' time at home to Mjöndalen. But to be brutally honest, Mio, you could be in charge of them there and they should be able to win that match. But, uh, you know, it just looks like if he's in charge that they're not going to get anything out of it. So I struggle to see a way forward for Rosenborg with uh, Eric Horniland right now, John. Well, yeah, and on that subject, I mean, Eric Hornelam cut a really despondent figure after the match. He uh, he described it as a, a team in trouble and said they are lacking in confidence in a big way and said it's very difficult to be the leader of this team, which, um, you know, has called into question his position. There's been a couple of behind-the-scenes issues, hasn't there, Steve? Can you just clear those up for us? Um, Nicholas Bentner for one and Alec Benro is another. You know, what what's going on there behind the scenes at this club? Yeah, it, it seems, I mean, this first originated in February where Adding Benner came out in an interview saying, I'm not sure I'm going to be as sort of effective in this team under Eric Hornelon's system because he's asking me to be too disciplined with my approach. And he felt he was better as kind of a free spirit in a free role, where which is a good idea to, for a player like him with the amount of skills he's got. In terms of Adding Benro, he's... I'm not saying he's alienated Alec Benro. It's just it's just not in favour. I don't think that player suits Eric Hornelon's system uh, at all. He's quite a negative manager. He doesn't want people like that necessarily in his team, um, free spirits. But I think Samuel's just getting on with the job. He's not publicly criticised him or anything. He's just saying, I'm going to wait for my chance and hopefully perform. In fact, one thing he, he also said is, you know, if these youngsters are in the team ahead of me, maybe at this point in time, they're a better fit for the team. With Bentner, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, even, I can't really comment too much about this because I think you have to be within the club to know what's going on. But we all know Bentner had the uh, the winter effectively in jail in his own home. Um, there was a lot of talk that his conditioning wasn't very good heading into the season, uh, which you might expect from that point of view. Um, and that his attitude has been quite wrong as well. Uh, but it just seems to me like I think Hornerland has had enough of him and he wants to try and get him out of the club. Uh, he's left him out of the match. Let's pick up that point there because that is really the crux of it here. Is he actually good enough, Nicholas Ben? And maybe we should do a poll on this on, on Twitter or something. You know, It's all a good we've been hammering the manager for many, many weeks. And you, you've been on him since day one from the, the preview podcast. You know, And fair play to you because you seem to have got this one spot on. But um, you know, is is Ben good enough to be in this team? You know, is he is he doing enough to actually justify his place in the team? It's all well like being a big name, but is he is he is he is he worthy of the place, or is this really catastrophic error of judgment from from the manager? Well, there was an interesting situation I think two or three weeks ago when Hornerland really made what I would call his first desperate looking starting eleven of the season. It was against Sarsborg at home. They actually won it one nil. It was a desperate looking selection because he started youngsters like. Eric Bottheim, who, by the way, is quite a very good, talented youngster. Um, and, and he started guys ahead of Bentner, Soderlund, adding Benra on the bench. And I think a lot of people, you couldn't really knock him for that selection because Bentner, from what we've seen of him on the field, has not done enough at all. Um, so you could say it was justified. The problem is, I think, when it, look, if you were a manager going into, an, into a new club, right, John, you would look at the squad and you would think, who are my best players? 
you know the best players are in a team. The simple fact is Bentner and having Benro, they're the best two players probably at the club or one of they're in the top five best players, if you can get them firing properly. So if it was me, I would be looking to build that team around them. I'm not saying I would kind of mollycoddle them, but I would certainly try and get them on side because I know what they're capable of. And Horneland just doesn't seem to be able to do that with these guys. And I think that can affect the rest of the squad because, let's be honest, Bentner, he's quite a powerful influence, isn't he, behind the scenes. He's probably slagging the manager off to the rest of the players, discontent in there. The other players will see this and, and, and question the manager, perhaps. So I don't think he's got it right in that regard. But at the same time, Bentner hasn't helped himself with some pretty poor performances on the field as well. What about tactical tactics wise? You know, has he changed the shape and things like that? You mentioned he might be changing the system. You know, is is that part of um, part of the problem here? A big problem at the start of the year. I think they the first six games they played six different formations. They've gone from four four one one to four four two, four two three one, four three three. After the first four games, he he reluctantly admitted that his own systems were not working and that he would have to revert back to the traditional Rosenborg 4-3-3, which they've done for donkey's years. I can't remember the last time they weren't a 4-3-3 side. And that's almost like an admission of defeat, isn't it? Uh, when the players see that, they're thinking, all right, yeah, he's going to have to go back to what we did before instead of using his own, back in his own systems uh, over a prolonged period of time. So that that concerns me in both aspects that a his own systems weren't working and b he basically had to back down to and, and go back to the rosenborg uh, traditional way but it seems right now the formation wise you don't know what what they're gonna have um he, he's played the wrong players in in certain spots as well uh, earlier in the year he was playing for example Jermund Assen in a defensive midfielder holding role when he's a creative playmaker that just doesn't make sense so he hasn't helped himself either well, yeah, I think we'll leave it with uh, the bottom line. I mean, good analysis there, Steve. We'll leave it with the bottom line with Dagblad at Sport in Norway, a paper who has described it as an utter fiasco. And I think that really says quite a lot about the situation. Let's move on from the second worst team in this division then, Rosenborg, and it's not going to be often we'll say that in our pod here, pod lifetime. Um, let's look at the top now. Joint top, we have some quite, quite bizarre situation here. I mean, probably the least talked about team in the history of this podcast are joint top. They are, yeah. And they've got a game in hand on Mulder as well. Um, I just, just before we move, Mulder actually lost uh, on the 16th of May round. Uh, I didn't see any of this game. I was focusing in on some other fixtures, but they were 2 0 up away at Christiansen and they lost 3 um, 2, which is not very good, is it? But. The advantage from Mulder is they're the only really big team right up there right now. Um, so it may not be costly for them. Regarding Odd, well, they're, uh, you know what, they're sort of, they're a grind out sort of team, John. They, they base their game on defence and they like to counter attack. They won 1 0 against Ranheim today. I wasn't actually very impressed with them. Um, Ranheim, the, the key in this game, Ranheim had a penalty given and then. The linesman ruled, overruled the referee bizarrely. And then Odd scored a, a really good goal from Rashani. But uh, look, they're good, really good when they're underdogs and they've got a good manager. So uh, maybe they can stay up there, but they won't be the most enterprising side to watch despite having two or three good playmakers, you know? 
Interesting. Yes, and I mean, all they're doing, doing well, we have to praise them, to be honest. You know, I've never seen them so high, certainly when we've been doing since we were doing this podcast. Um, very good defensive record as well, the best in the league with six conceded. Um, but Mulder, obviously, we talked about Mulder in previous podcasts, so let's move on. Uh, you wanted to talk about Strum Scott said, didn't you? I did, yeah. And uh, the problem is that there's been a managerial change at the club this week. Bjorn Petter Ingebrigtsen has resigned his position, citing ill health. And we, all of us here at uh, Nordic Football uh, Podcast, do wish him all the best in that regard. But I'll be honest, I think if, if it wasn't for the ill health, you would think he's jumped before he's pushed because uh, nothing was working. Uh, and nothing is working, should I say. Uh, they won on the opening day, but they've since gone seven without a win. And there's question marks both defensively, offensively, uh, very flat. And this is a club that traditionally was challenging for medals um, in the last decade, quite a lot. But the last two years have just gone, uh, they've been like a sinking ship, really. They uh, just survived by the skin of their teeth last year. And uh, I think they've got a lot of issues on their plate. Otherwise, they're going to be involved in a relegation battle this term. Yeah, and I mean, a quick question on that one. Where would they be without Mustafa Ebdelawi? Because he is, in fact, one of the best players in the league in terms of uh, expected goals and assists. He's uh, fifth in the table uh, and second in the league for the expected goals. So when you take that into account, you know, the fact that they're so low in the table, I mean, you know, third bottom. Without him, where would they be, Steve? Well, with that, his goals, they would probably would be bottom, wouldn't they? Um, I've mentioned him on this podcast before. Moss, as he is affectionately known, uh, a good striker. I rate him. Uh, I think he's a good player. Uh, he's just not. He, he's done well to score as many as he has because the service hasn't been great into him. I think Strom's God say have got issues in in all sorts of areas. Not, but probably the most it's mental and confidence. Um, the squad clearly doesn't have much of that. There's not a great feeling around the place right now. Um, in terms of quality on paper, still think they should have enough. Um, to to survive, the big thing now is they've got to make sure they get a manager in who gets the crowd back on side by playing some enterprising attacking football. Um, traditionally, it's always been a club that has a real proper go in, in every game, especially at home, and they need to keep doing that. Um, so it's a vital. The next managerial appointment for them is a big one, and I'll be interested to see who they get in. Well, yeah, and just before we move on, regarding Strum's God, so they finished 13th last season, so, you know, one could argue that this is sort of a continuation of that and maybe, you know, even slightly worse than that, but um, certainly a lot for them to improve on in the season. Is there any rumours on who would take the job quickly, Steve? Well, <laughs> a funny rumour I heard is that uh, Eric Hornland's going to get sacked by Rosenborg and then he's going to be appointed by Strum's God, sir. I mean, funnier things have happened, haven't they? So, um, but in terms of those that are available on the free market, I've not really heard too much uh, so far. But who would, you, who would you like to see? I mean, is there any upcoming young managers maybe that we should be thinking of, or is it sort of just a case of a merry-go-round similar to the Allardyces of this world? I'm not a great expert in the league below the Obosli again, so I'm not 100% sure who the best young coaches are in Norway at that level. Um, but maybe it would be a situation where they should look to that league and think who's playing good football. Um, but unfortunately, the last the appointment of the manager who's just gone 
Ingebretson. That was like a, a one of what you call a dinosaur appointment, a bit like an Allardyce Pardew sort of thing, where it's, it's the you know the same merry-go-round lot. So this club have a history of sadly appointing guys like that. So I'd imagine it's someone quite uninspiring in the end who takes the job. But uh, you know, teams can prove you wrong. I just hope they. I think they've got to bring an attacking manager in though to get the fans back on side. Goals, goals, goals is the order of the day then for us, Jones. God said. Thanks for that analysis there, Steve. Now I'm going to move on. We have a question from a listener, Robert Carwardine. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And his question is, any hope for Chumzu after today? I do not see any. Steve, give us a brief overview of why he is so pessimistic. What's happened in the big derby? Well, cheers for the question, Rob. And uh, yeah, Trumsu at bottom of the table, well, rock bottom. Um, lost six out of eight games. After defeat in the derby of the North today against Buda Glimt at home. And uh, I have to say that Glimt deserved the win. Uh, Trumps have started well. They got an early goal. And I thought, you know, they might get something here. But from like the 20th minute onwards, only one team really ever looked like scoring, I thought. And you can tell Glimt are in great form. Um, the, the two teams just are in, they're in different stratospheres right now. And the league positions shows it. But I'm not sure what I can't quite pinpoint what the problem with Trumser is. They, they have had injury issues, and I don't like to use that as an excuse, but they have had some bad ones. And uh, I'm I, some of Alakari is a good manager. I like him. I like his style. I think if you give him enough time, he can easily turn things around. It just feels like they're conceding goals at the wrong point, crucial moments in games. That's the second match in a row now where they've been leading 1-0 at home and they've lost in, in in the last 10 minutes. Their last three defeats, I think, I mean, two of them, they've been literally goal scored with the last kick of the game. So, which is kind of, it's kind of harsh, isn't it, in a way when that happens to a team consist consistently. Maybe going forward, it'll be, the boot will be on the other foot where they can get some late goals themselves. But yeah, the defensively, I think it's probably where the problems are lying. And when you keep losing games, they've got a young squad apart from a couple of players. When you keep losing games, the confidence can go, can't it? Um, in terms of the question that Rob just uh, sent in there, um, any hope for them? I don't see any. I, I certainly do see plenty of hope still. Um, I say the manager's a good manager. They've got young, talented players who can turn it around. I certainly wouldn't be writing them off yet. And at this point in time, I would still say I'd be surprised if they got relegated. Okay. And yeah, I must say, point of view, I, I think for my money, Buda Glimt have been the most exciting team I've seen this season in, in, in Norway. I've not seen huge amounts of the league, but yeah, certainly, um, along with Molde, I'd say, um, I've really been impressed with some of their young talents, uh, Hakon Evian being one of them. And I think he's off to the under 20 World Cup, uh, which kicks off in a few weeks' time. Um, and as for you, Rob, thanks for your question. And just to briefly point out to you, do catch up on. Nordic Football Podcast Season 3, Episode 3, where we have an exclusive interview with Tromsø manager Simo Valikari. You can listen to his thoughts on life in Tromsø on that very, very good podcast with Steve. Um, let's move on because we're running short of time here. We'll briefly run through a couple of points, Steve. You wanted to talk about one other team and that was Sarpsborg before we finish. Yeah, I've really got to mention them because I think this is a story that's going underneath the radar because of all the other big issues going on in the league. Sarpsborg were only on seven points. 
um, in the table. They've lost their last three games. And this is a team I expected to be up there, and I think most people expected to be up there. And I've pinpointed their problem to they cannot convert their chances. According to Scout data, their expected goals are 10, uh, but they've only scored six. And there is the fundamental issue that um, they're really missing Patrick Mortensen, who scored a lot of goals for them last year. Jürgen Strand Larsen scored 20 preseason goals, but he's only got one so far. They haven't got any strikers who can find the onion bag, I'm afraid. And it's now what, what that's led to is obviously they're not winning, not collecting enough points. And now they're on this losing streak where it just doesn't look like they can get a goal from anywhere and performances are dipping. I'm a bit concerned about them, really, because I didn't see this coming. Have they got a good manager? The squad is really vast, perhaps too vast. Maybe there's too many players there um, in the squad. They've got injuries as well at the moment. And this is a story worth keeping tr track of because they've got a home match against Ranheim next. I mean, if they didn't win that, or say they lost it, then I really would start to get concerned about Sarfsborg because really this is a team that should be up there in the top three or four. And they're missing a massive chance to challenge uh, considering where Rosenborg are this year. And, and Brown obviously not that great at the moment either. Uh, they missed an open goal. And this is another season where um, too many transfers, ins and outs, I think has unsettled the squad. So I'm a bit concerned about Sarfsborg, mate. Um, they're a bit, a bit similar to what Norshipping are with you in that uh, they're making me look a little bit of a mug at times. <laughs> yes, I remember you being quite praiseworthy of them in, in, in recent months um, and their performances. So, yeah, one win all season is, is quite concerning, really, isn't it? It's not a good sign. Um, I think we're going to leave Valerengo for another podcast, but I did notice that they've risen up to fourth after your scolding of them on a previous show. So, um, you know, it obviously had an effect your your sort of hairdryer treatment. Um, on them, so we'll, we'll, we'll touch on them in, in a future pod. I wanted to ask you very quickly um, about the Fantasy Football League. Yes. Um, you, 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 you posted that you had the best score of uh, the most recent game week, I think. Uh, how are things looking in the Norway Fantasy League? Because we had a lot of new followers based on that league's Fantasy Football. Yeah, well, we do have our own league here, the Nordic Football Pod League. Uh, you can join uh, this league uh, and I'll post up the code on Twitter. Um, trying to find the code now, actually. But uh, yeah, I'm not uh, top of this league anymore. We've got someone called Joe M. FPL Graphics, who's been very impressive, actually, um, with his points tally. He's at 572 points. I'm second in the league. But there's a lot of good uh, players up there who I think have a history in Fantasy Premier League. They know their stuff. Um, I had the highest points tally in our league in the previous game round, but someone else. Uh, from the May the 16th round, uh, got to 79 points, which was quite impressive. The Lord's men, Daniel Lord, got to 70, uh, 79 points. Uh, so, yeah, join that league. We also have an Alsvenskan Fantasy League, um, which there's not as many in there. So, if we could get some more into that league. That would be great. Um, some uh, interesting stuff there. And before we go, there is some questions I need to ask you, um, John, someone on Twitter did uh, get in touch about uh, some things. So before we go off, this is Stephen uh, at uh, Steve FC on Twitter. Got three questions, actually. Uh, first one, 
do you get the feeling that the Ausvenskin is uh, AFK Jotterborgs? When will Falkenberg form pick up if ever it does? And then he also asked actually about Rosenborg, which I've already answered. But uh, uh, IFK, is it? Do you get the feeling it's going to be their their, their season? I think it's a bit premature to say it's going to be their season. I think I think winning the title, you need you need more than just um, you know a good start. You need a deep squad, which in fairness they have um, in certain areas. I think you know Robin Soda, Lasa Vibra is a good little combination there. Um, Poyas Bargi's rotated them too well up front so far, um, and has got the best out of them. Even Man Saibo, um, an even younger player, well, a very young player in the academy, uh, came off the bench and scored a goal against Sirius in a in a, in a fantastic win. Um, but as I mentioned, I, th- I think you need something slightly deeper to win the title. I won't. I won't I've talked about EFCOR already, so I won't talk on this for too long. But uh, yeah, I just think you also need experience. Let, let's keep that in mind and. And I still think with their defence, there's a bit of, I said it last week, but I think there's question marks about the centre-backs. I think Kalasir and Stark felt, can you win a league title with those guys? Mm, jury's out. Sebastian Olsen's done very well uh, at right-back, so he's he's been good. But still think there's a couple of holes in their squad for a consistent title challenge. But maybe the summer could be um, very crucial because they've been linked with some big names. And if they were to get those players to supplement the squad, then who knows? Uh, and uh, just on the question of Falkenberg, very briefly, no, I can't see the form um, picking up soon. Funnily enough, their expected goals is much better than their league position suggests. So you do feel a little bit sorry for them in a sense, but they've just got this hopeless feeling about them. You know, they, they've got an air. Sometimes you've got a team who just have an air of, you know, for want of a better word, losers. You know, <laughs> Um they just have that sort of vibe about them where they're just going to go down without a trace and you'd like to see it not happen, but, you know, you're going to have battered them now. They struggled against the likes of... The only, the only games they've won against Ordebro and then two draws with Sirius and AFC Eskostuna, those three are probably the worst teams in the league alongside them. So I'm worried about Falkenberg, I'll be honest. Yeah, it doesn't look great for them uh, or for a few teams down there at the moment, to be honest with you. But, uh, okay, well, uh, I think that pretty much is going to have to bring an end to this uh, episode, uh, running a bit short on time. So, uh, well, thanks very much for your contribution as ever, uh, John. And uh, we look forward to some more episodes uh, coming very soon. Yeah, just quickly before we finish, for those still listening, uh, Facebook, we had a poll, uh, with the Goal of the Month poll, uh, Steve, did you want to announce the winner of that poll? Or oh yes, yes, I completely forgot about this. Um, yeah, I did the goal of the month compilation, and the winner was Ola Brynhildsson from Starbeck for an overhead kick against uh, Rosenborg at home. Don't know if uh, you agreed with that one, John, but that is what the the vote uh, came out with. Uh, I personally uh, thought that the hack on Evian goal was the better one, but uh, the public have voted. Yeah, I I voted hack on Evian actually. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, on Facebook, uh, give us a like on Facebook, please. Um, we uh, we need as many likes as we can on there. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, Nordic Footpod. And, uh, well, we'll look to, we'll see you again very soon. Uh, and from me, it's goodbye. Goodbye to everyone. <laughs>